I do wish that we had video going and that the video didn't make the the bandwidth extremely difficult because you should see me every time this music starts before we start a podcast. But this is the Dump and Chase podcast. This is season two, I believe, episode two. Uh, a new start with myself, Shane Blackburn. Today's Reagan King. You can follow him at Reagan King Isles. You could follow me at Dump and Chase 80. Dan Savarino might be joining us a little bit later. He had to work tonight, so he can't be with us just yet. This is a special post-game edition of the Dump and Chase podcast as the Islanders just capped a 4-3 overtime win over the Winnipeg Jets. An ugly overtime win. I'm going to bring Reagan in now. Reagan, how ugly was that win? Ugly doesn't describe it. It does not describe it one bit. It was That was just a bizarre game. Just in every aspect, it was bizarre. It was. It, it was. It was the epitome of this road trip throw. An, an ugly, an ugly game played by the Islanders, but an ugly two points they come away with. And I know we've said it before, and we were talking about it right before we went live as well. That good teams find ways to win games even when they're playing bad, and the Islanders have done that throughout this road trip. This is a game that for sure the Islanders lose last year. For sure the Islanders lose two years ago. These are the points that the Islanders threw away last year that cost them home ice advantage, but it's the points they're getting this year that gives them that opportunity to surpass the Rangers. We have three games in hand on the Rangers uh, after tomorrow. So right now it's two, but the Rangers do play tomorrow night, so we'll have three games in hand on them as we roll into the final game of this road trip, which will be in the Garden on Sunday, which... That's a game I'm very much looking forward to. I think it's going to really tell the Islanders where they are at this point. The Islanders stand three points out behind the Rangers with two games in hand. And then depending on what the Rangers do, I believe they're playing the Capitals tomorrow. So depending on what they do tomorrow night against Washington, uh, we'll we'll, we'll have three games in hand for sure. And we'll just have to see how many points behind we are, whether it's still three or whether it goes to four or five. Uh, But that game Sunday is big and... I don't know. Uh, let me ask you here. What do you think the chances are we're playing that game without Cal Clutterbuck? Unfortunately, I th- they might be good. We we discussed it earlier, and it just... Uh, I don't know if he gets away with this one. As much as we, we like him and we need him in the, in the game, I don't know if we see him on Sunday. It was... Uh, it was an ugly slash to Burmistrov. I believe it was in the second period. Or early third. Can't remember now. The game just happened. You think, you think I'd be able to remember that? I, to be honest with you, I can't help you either. So <laughs> that's, that speaks volumes to how that game was. But it was, a, it was an, an ugly slash behind the play. I'm sure retaliation for the Bufflin slash on Shane Prince, who, by the way, scored his first goal as an Islander in just his second game. A, a big goal for the team as well. But still... It, it's an ugly slash behind the play that I'm sure will get looked at by the Department of Player Safety, whether it earns a suspension, a fine, or nothing, I'm not sure. Uh, I think if you look at the Clutterbuck slash there, you also have to look at the Bufflin slash on Prince and make a decision on that as well. Both of them were pretty ugly two-handers. Although, the angles I saw, I don't even think Clutterbuck made contact with Burmistrov, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. But let's get into the meat and potatoes of another ugly Islander win. I mean, I've done the three things we learned from last night's game throughout this road trip. And it seems like every night I'm starting it with another ugly win for the Islanders. And 
I, I have to find a new way to say that so I don't get repetitive, but it, it really is just another ugly Islanders win. Uh, uh, what did you take away f- from from this win here? Just general sense before we really get into it. General sense was I think you hit the nail on the head. It was ugly. Um, I mean, I, I did post-game duty tonight, so I think I started the same way you started a lot of yours where I, I it was essentially just mediocrity was the best way to just define that game. And even... I think that's being kind. I think it was it wasn't a good game. It was ugly for the most part. Every time you look up, the the Jets had the puck in the in the offensive zone. But yeah, in, in a word, mediocrity, and that'd be putting it kindly. It was there's the we were talking uh, before we came on here. We were sending each other hangout messages and talking about what we were going to talk about when we came on here. And I, I said, I really hope that you have positives because I have a lot of negatives about this game and that's that's funny because you figure after a 4-3 win uh, a, a post-game edition of a podcast would have a lot of positives because the team won but I have a lot of negatives that I, I'd like to delve into so I hope you have some positives to weigh the scale if not I mean I guess we're just gonna delve the into sh- some of the negatives yeah and I don't think either of us want to sugarcoat it but no, there's not many positives here. And yes, two points is two points. I don't want to take anything away from a win. But yes, at the end of the day, it wasn't a pretty win. And and a lot of the games in this road trip haven't been pretty. But again, they came away with points. But to your point, not a whole lot of positives that we can uh, take away from this. Even the, really this road trip, if, if nothing else. Right. I'd say the only two positives we could take away from this road trip are Thomas Grice and the fact that we're getting points every game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Grice has been, he he won the game the other night. Um, well, I wouldn't say it was his best game by any means tonight, but again, he he got the win, so, you know, more power to him. But Grice, great. Um, yeah, other, other than Grice, you know, and, and, and the wins and points, not a whole lot to take away from this trip. Not Not a whole lot to take away at all. I mean, I think that first period was the the real epitome of the negative of the Islanders team as of late. Six shots on goal in the first period. They gave up 15 to the Jets. So I do I do think that that's that that's been the case all too often. Not getting enough shots on net. I mean, Ryan Strom was the perfect example there in the third period. He cuts across just inside the blue line. Everybody's crashing the net, and he tries and force he tries to force that pretty pass through instead of just firing a puck on net. Look at the Calvin DeHaan goal. That should show all these guys on the team. All you have to do is shoot the puck. Shoot the puck towards the net. You'll get a bounce. You'll get a tip. Something will go right. All you got to do is throw the puck at the net. Look at the Dahan goal. Look at the Letty goal. I don't understand why more people on this team can't look at that and say, hey, why don't we just get more pucks to the net? The lack of shots is part of what's killing me. Uh, I do have a theory on why I think some of the guys aren't taking as many shots as they should. It might be a little crazy, so I won't get into it just yet. Uh, but when it comes to not taking shots, what do you see out there from the Islanders? It's exactly what we discussed it last week. We touched on it. It's the same. It's exa- I mean, it's what you just said, but it's just the reason the power play was was dreadful tonight. It's why they found themselves in a rut tonight. They're they're not shooting the puck. I'm even. I'm so I'm. I just pulled up the on ice events tonight from from the game. So looking for, from a, an even strength perspective, Ryan Strom was 50%, Corsi 4, everyone else was below 50%. So that alone is showing you that 
these guys aren't getting the puck to the net. They're not possessing the puck as much as they should be. And yeah, it's something that it's, it's concerning, especially since you look at the last 10 games or so, and it's, they're well below that 50% mark. So they're essentially getting outpossessed in, in every game and the majority of games, especially the last 10, but yeah, it's, it's, you got to start shooting the puck. And like you said, good things happen. So it's, yeah, the, the fact that, the last the trend is not in their favor is not ideal, especially getting to this point in the season. You can't be heading into the playoffs uh, with with really the play that they're playing at. And we mentioned this earlier, but the fact that yeah, good teams find a way to win. Th- this team's not they're not winning these games if this is a playoff environment or a playoff. They're playing playoff teams, so sure they're getting the points against poorer teams. You can't do this against the Capitals. You can't do this against the Rangers. They're just not going to come away with two points in these situations. So, yeah, starting they just need to start generating a lot more offense and really be be more careful with the puck, if anything else. And that surprises me that Strom is the one who led the team in the Corsi four because he's right. He's one of the ones who I who I felt maybe not throughout this game, but through most of the road trip has been one of the worst possessive numbers guys on the team. So I'm surprised that he led the team with the Corsi four in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I don't know. For the most part, I'd say, and it's kind of been harped on a lot between Twitter and just, you know, between fans, but Strom and Lee, for, the, for a lot of it, have been almost invisible on the ice. You just don't see them. I mean, tonight, we had, I believe it was that one opportunity with a broken stick, you know, not his fault, but at the same time, he's just, I feel like, yeah, he's just been invisible out there. You're not seeing him, and he's not having that impact that that we saw, you know, last year. He was He was great, but yeah, those guys have, have been very quiet and people, I, I, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. I'd give them credit if I could, but yeah, Lee and Strom haven't been the players we, we were expecting. So that kind of put, throws a wrench into the plans of how this team was expected to play and, and what we were really expecting from just really this roster. You know, you have guys like Kuhlman, Grabowski, and kind of knew what we were getting with them. Sure, Kuhlman hasn't been great this year by any means, but when guys like Lee and Strom are really underperforming then that that really brings those guys down like the Coolmans and Grabowski is where their play is kind of almost dragging down the rest of the guys since they should be outperforming them and they're not I think you could also lump Nelson into that as well Nelson has been the best of the three uh between himself Lee and Strom but I still think Nelson Nelson has that wicked wrist shot he has very underrated hands but he also is very inconsistent he'll get you six goals in a three four game span and then he'll go 12 15 without scoring so if if nelson can get himself more consistent i think he'll be all right he's definitely not playing as bad or as not he's he's definitely not slumping as hard as strom and lee are but i would still lump him into that same group. Uh, I would love to see more out of Strom and Lee. Uh, I think Strom, I don't know what it is with him. I, I, I can't put my finger on what made him fall from what he was last season because it is a dramatic fall. I think everyone was more than happy with what they saw out of Strom last season, so what they see this season hurts even more. Uh, hope it's just a sophomore slump and he comes back next season ready to go. Uh, I mean, I hope he comes out ready to go before next season obviously but you do have to look ahead a little bit sometimes but hopefully he hopefully the team gets their head right going into this final stretch Matt Summerhalter on uh on the YouTube chat says how concerned are we with the fact 
that the Isles are struggling with these bad teams when the Rangers and Penguins are on the horizon? And do we think the changing time zones and Canadian winter excuses the play? Um, I don't think the winter excuses the play. <laughs> I don't think the Canadian winter... If if the Islanders came out and said the Canadian winter was part of the reason they're not playing well, I would lose a lot of respect for them. Um, I, I don't... I don't think weather really has that big of an impact on hockey. Uh, the changing time zones, I think, can certainly have an, an issue. I think it could certainly be something big, especially when you have such a drastic change. You're not going from New York to Chicago where it's an hour difference. You're going all the way across the country, and you're, you're now you're playing at 8 o'clock, which is your 11 o'clock, is what your body's used to. So I can see that. Um, I don't I don't love the excuse I don't want to make excuses for the way they've been playing because I hope it's just a slump that they shake themselves out of. Um, but I, I can see the time zone more than anything else. How about you? Yeah, time zone's a little bit, but at the end of the day, they know what they're getting themselves into. The The winter thing is kind of a funny question, and I wish that was a case, the case, but no, we're going to throw that one out the window. Yeah, time zones, I mean, personally, I can't say I've ever worked like gone different time zones and worked day after day, and I'm sure it does take a toll on you. You know, it's it's not what you're used to. And it does take a few days to really get adjusted to that time zone. But, um, but to, to, I guess the, the heart of the question is, should we be concerned about how they're performing against these lesser teams, you know, quote unquote, lesser teams, um, a little bit, but I think a big thing the Islanders do. And I, and I think we harped on this a little bit last week with a lot of these guys can be, they're younger, they're a younger team for sure. And I think they get in their head a little bit. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think they almost play down to their competition a bit, which is I see sports teams do it in across every league. They all do it. And it's just, it's a terrible habit. It's a terrible, really, I guess, I don't know the best way to put it, but yeah, they, they play down to their competition a bit. So we've seen them play. They can play right there almost with the capitals, with the Rangers and they play them really well and they'll, they'll beat these teams. But at the same time, yeah, they, they play these other teams and all of a sudden it's like, we're watching, a 2011 Islanders team rather than 2015, 2016 Islanders team. So um, wouldn't, wouldn't be completely concerned. It's a little alarming if nothing else, but I think they'll, they'll kind of get everything back in gear, uh, especially down this stretch. So I wouldn't be too concerned. I, I think I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think Sunday is going to a set the tone for the rest of the season for this final 20 games, the final stretch. And I think it's going to be, let us, the fans, know what we're in for. Sunday is, I think, Sunday is the measuring stick. Sunday, because what we, we this is, this was game sixty-two, right? So, so Sunday marks exactly twenty games to play, I believe. Yep, that was sixty-two tonight. Yeah. So yeah, sixty-three is coming up on Sunday. So Sunday is the first of the final twenty games. So this is really the final stretch. We're three games behind the Rangers, uh, three points behind the Rangers, and three points ahead of Pittsburgh for the final spot in the Metropolitan. So Sunday, I think will set the tone. The Islanders have to come out. They're going to be playing against the Rangers, have a chance to really make that gap smaller and, and be able to claw their way back in. I, I don't know if home ice advantage is as important as people think it is, uh, but it can't hurt to have it. Uh, we have back-to-back games, not back, not back-to-back days, but back-to-back games Sunday against the Rangers and then Tuesday at home against Pittsburgh. So this week, I think, is going to really be one of the biggest weeks of the season for the Islanders. They start off the the final stretch 
And, I mean, it's going to show what this team is made of. If they're able to shake off whatever this Western Conference road trip was. And, I mean, we're talking about how bad they played. And they're, what, 5-1, and one, right? They went 5-1 and one on this road trip so far to start? Yeah. Only loss was that ugly one in Edmonton. Other than that, they're 5-1 and one on the first six games of a seven-game road trip. And we're complaining. So, imagine if this team gets themselves on the right path, how, how good they can be. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, they... they... With what eight out of ten points on a road at alone, you can't. We can't really complain. But you know, if the next so out of twenty games, we've got eleven against metropolitan division or metropolitan opponents. Yeah, the the next twenty games is. I mean, the home stretch is important no matter what. But considering that, you can almost really like really separate themselves. So beat the Penguins, beat the Rangers. That's. I'm not even as, as like you said. I'm not that concerned about the whole seating right now. It's more so just really making getting in yeah. rather than anything else. Because there, there's certainly a possibility that they could lose a few, and then you know Penguins start jumping up, and then you're fighting for a wild card spot, not not actual positioning. So and you're on the outside looking in. Now. Yeah, exactly. So that could be a definite possibility. So I'd be more concerned about really just just getting points wherever they can get them. But yeah, 11 of the next 20 against Metro uh, opponents. They can really start separating themselves from the rest of the division. Or the opposite, like you said. So you have to hope that they, they start playing with the right foot forward and, and really take advantage of the opportunity they have here. Um, okay. Cato Ingresha in the YouTube chat <laughs> asks, do you think we get them back into the swing by putting the kid line back together? And I don't love that idea for one reason, and that is if it doesn't help, that line is a huge liability on the ice. Last year, I loved it because they were all playing well. The way they're playing this year, if putting them back together doesn't spark them as a line, that is a huge liability on the ice because if they continue to play the way they're playing and then they do that as a unit, that line will get torn apart by most teams in the NHL. So that's the I would love to see that line back together performing the way they did last season. But if you put them together right now and they continue to play this way, uh, I'd be nervous every time they step foot on the ice. It'd essentially be the opposite of what the fourth line is, where you pretty much, they're high energy, you see them out there every single shift, and you would almost get the opposite where you dread every time they went out there. Exactly. And I wouldn't say, you know, that's not what's going to happen every time they're out there. And maybe they do click and maybe that's the line and that's what what the solution is. But like you said, the way they're playing, that that is that there's a high amount of liability there, and we don't. I don't know if that's something that the team can afford right now is to to put that line out there or lessen their minutes because they're worried about their play. So I I think I would still rather them kind of where they are now and and split amongst different lines rather than having them the kid line back together at this time at least. Which speaking of the fourth line, we do have to say I hope Matt Martin is all right after diving out and making a great play at the end of that game because all I could think of was the Philadelphia Flyers game last season when the time was winding down and the puck was still in our zone. And Martin made a great play to get the block and then a, a dove out there and sacrificed his body. We hope that he's all right going into Sunday because the fourth line is one of the biggest pieces of this team, especially in a game like a Islanders-Ranger game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even just to go back on this, I meant to mention it earlier, but Bizarre game when it came to injuries. I mean, we, I thought Brock was going down early in the game. He took that shot off the foot, thought he was done. Uh, Prince took the the slash to the wrist. Martin took that uh, the slash, whatever it was, the hit. 
Um, I think there was even one or two more, but Letty, it was just the, the Letty play in the corner. I thought he got hurt. I thought he was done. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, potential injuries there. So I think it, it seems that they, they kind of skated out of there without any issues, but at the same time, we're gonna have to wait to see what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the fourth line is going to be huge and it's, it's almost strange to say it. I mean, you know, that everyone kind of says that the Islanders fourth line is the best in the business pretty much, but yeah, I mean, they're such a big impact, and sure, maybe they're not scoring as much, although they, Sezikis, yeah, and real hot, and I mean, in the they still will score, but uh, yeah, that's the type of line that you just need that against these teams like the Rangers and Capitals and whoever it may be. But uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's everyone's healthy, especially Prince. And I saw that uh, Eric actually kind of segue into that. Eric asked about our thoughts on Shane Prince, so if you want to kind of dive into that um well and, and it's and perfect it's because some matt summerhalter again followed that up with who sits when grabo comes back because prince looked good uh so if we can combine those two i think shane prince is going to be a prototypical middle six guy he's going to be somewhere a second or third line player um he's quick i like his speed a lot um someone on twitter today said grabner-esque i wouldn't quite go there yet I haven't seen enough of him to see if he has that same acceleration, but I I do I do like his speed. Uh, I think he's a heady player. He's got his head up. He's clearly not afraid to shoot. So uh, the, he he went five hole on Hutchinson today after taking what I would say is the equivalent of a, a Sammy Sosa swing off his wrist, and was still able to beat Hutchinson five hole to give the Islanders the two to one lead. So. I, I like Prince. I like Prince a lot. I think I don't think he's going to be an elite superstar that the fans were hoping we would get at the trade deadline. But I think he's going to be more than serviceable. Uh, I see him now. Fan, I'm saying I like him, and who I'm about to compare him to, I think fans are going to be coming for me with pitchforks and and torches. I think he's Bailey esque, where he's not going to be this game-changer superstar, but he's going to get himself in the right places, and if he plays well, he'll be effective. Yeah, I think that's exactly what he is, and I, I've been impressed with his play the last couple of games, and numbers probably wouldn't back it up a ton, but uh, like you said, I mean, he, that penalty he drew tonight was perfect example of, I think, the type of guy we're going to get. He keeps his feet moving. He's very quick, and I think his acceleration is, is almost explosive, but... Um, I'll give credit to uh, Garrick from White House Hockey. He made a great post about really the, what we can expect from uh, Shane Prince. And what he was saying is, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that will draw penalties a, a lot more frequently than I'll take them. So that alone is great. And and just he's really he's going to be someone that for the most part is driving possession. And I think he's done a good job of really uh, just kind of like I said, he's just explosive. He's getting he's getting to the puck and he's he's really creating more opportunities and. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into it, but Pulak's been very impressive in the same sense where he almost, he looks almost identical to how Letty skates with the puck. And it's he's been incredibly impressive so far for someone who's only played a couple of games so far in the league. When he made that one rush, I think it was in the first period, and he came, I think it was the first period, and he came down the, the right wing side and carried it all the way in and had the patience to wait, wait, and then make a pass. I, I was extremely impressed. I think Pulak has been great since coming up. I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I said, here's my thing with Pulak. He is extremely impressive offensively and on the rush. 
He still has some work to do defensively, but I think it's time for him to learn that at this level. I don't. I. I. I can. I could admit that I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping him here now. After seeing him play at this level, I don't think he needs to develop more in Bridgeport. I think he just needs to learn the defensive style of the NHL and just be here and get reps. I agree with you 100%. And and the fact, too, that it's nice to see that the team is acknowledging that they've been very pleased with this play. And I just don't think I don't think there's reason for him not to be playing right now. He's, he's proved exactly the type of player that we, we've expected. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if we were talking about the same play, but I think it might have been his first game. Yeah, he took the he, he entered the zone, went behind the net, and then did that. I wasn't crazy about the drop pass since it was in the middle, and but it was a great pass, and and whoever he set it up had a great opportunity. But overall, yeah, he could definitely use a little bit more work in the defensive end. But overall, I, I mean, we cannot be upset about his play, and he's going to be a great, great addition. Especially, I mean, as a five six guy, certainly yeah. take him over over the other options that we have. Who will not be named. <laughs> no, we're not going down that road. But uh, back to Matt's question now. Who sits when Grabo comes back? Because Prince has looked good. And I agree with that. Um, right after that, Chris Vagel says, Strom could use a game or two off. And I tweeted that, I think, mid-third period. I said, I wouldn't mind seeing Strom miss a night. Be given, be given the keys to the press box. Watch the game. And it's not even... See, to me, being a healthy scratch isn't so much a punishment thing as it is a listen we're going to watch some video at practice or during the video session we're going to watch some video we're going to show you what you're doing wrong and then we're going to ha- you're going to sit and you're going to watch from the press box everything's going you get a different view of the ice and you guys would be surprised what that different view of the ice can do for a player you give them a night or two off you let him sit upstairs, you let him watch the play, you let you let him take in everything that's going on, and then you get him back in the lineup and who knows, it could it could completely um and I know Eric, I know Strom had the best Corsi tonight, but come on man, go with the eye test. Strom has not been good. No, I to your point, he has he has not been good and he did have that stint where he went down and He's still young. That's what the thing is. I mean, he's not he's not some old vet that we expect like a ton from, you know. It, it wouldn't kill him to to sit in the press box for a game and I mean, if you look at it almost like a non hockey job, look at it as a you know, whatever type of job, a regular white collar job where if your boss came up to you and said, "Hey, you know, I think you might want to let someone take the lead on this, maybe go with them whether it's a sales call type of type of situation. Go with the older guy, go on the sales call and see what he does." I don't. I think that's that can go a very long way with someone just to see how someone else is doing something, and you look at it in a much different perspective than you would if you're just kind of doing the same thing day in and day out. So I agree with you. I don't think it's going to kill them to have a day off, and they have the. I would say they have the depth and they have the tools now to maybe slot in a, a Prince now, and then when Grabowski's back, have him play, and when Strom's back, you know, let him just sit out the one game. He comes back the next game and. If he doesn't improve, you know, it's not that it's not the end of the world, but at the same time, he kind of knows in the back of his head what may happen if he's not going to keep if he's going to keep up the same type of play. And to that point, and I agree 100%, but to that point, if Prince continues to play this well, all of a sudden that may light that fire underneath the Lees, the Nelsons and the Strom saying, "Hey, this kid's here for my roster spot." And I don't really want to give that up. I I want to play, especially 
especially a guy like Strom, who has been struggling more than the other two, I believe. Lee, Lee still... See, my thing with Lee and Strom are when Lee is struggling offensively, he brings more to the table in the other two zones of the ice than Strom does. So that's why I keep harping on Strom having to improve because Lee brings you the size, he brings you the physicality, he's more responsible defensively. And I know the course he doesn't say that for um for this for this game. And I agree, Eric, I agree. He's Strom is part of the team's future, which is why I'm okay with sitting him a game or two this year, because that could ultimately be the best for his development. Right now I'm more concerned and shoot me, chase me down with pitchforks. The chances of an Islander Stanley Cup this year are small. Is it there? Sure. Am I rooting for it? 150%. Would I be thrilled? Uh, I'd take off of work for two months so I could celebrate. But the chances aren't huge for an Islanders Stanley Cup this season. I'm still looking to the future, and I know fans are sick of hearing that. They're the older fans who have been looking at this rebuild since the late 80s, I understand that. But I'm still looking at the future, and yes, Strom is 100% a part of this team's future. But I think the team has to take the proper steps to develop him so he doesn't go the route of a Bailey, because Bailey could have been exponentially better than he is. But I think the rushing him into the NHL level is what has Bailey at the level he is right now. Well, and to that point, though, that's what I saw several people complaining about, that DeCall and, and whoever else is going to be, they're going to be the next Baileys, they're going to be rushed, they don't know how to handle prospects. Well, this is what Strom is then. You know, don't don't be upset if he takes a, a night off or he does get that healthy scratch. If you don't want these types of situations, then you have to be flexible and let these guys sit and let them develop properly then. Sure, DeCall and and everyone else is going to – they're still in the juniors. That's that's great. They're developing. But you can't be upset if they're going to slow down their professional growth a little bit. And they'll get to the point where they are. But again, to my point earlier, they're still very, very young. And look who it is. I was waiting for him to jump in there, but I guess he didn't want to. It's Dan, Dan Savarino home from work. Able to join us here. Dan, hey guys. thanks for jumping in. Hey, Hello? Dan. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. Just there we go. Sure that, uh, we're live. We're good. On the fly. That was impressive. I'm impressed it's a with that. full line change. Oh, is that what they call those? Yeah, I think so. Not a full line change, I, which I have been seeing a lot lately. We we did uh, that better than the Islanders. No too many men. <laughs> Well, you never know. You want to want to deal with the, those too many men penalties. Bench <laughs> miners are gonna kick your uh, kick your tuchus every time. We actually we actually changed weld tonight. Oh, that's good to know. The rest of the game was disgustingly ugly, but we changed well. All right, listen. Two points are two points, especially when um, you know the Rangers uh, starting to push away here, and then of course uh, they lost tonight, which I, I don't know what was going. I think it happened. Did Lundqvist get hurt? Is that what I saw? Oh, there is a little bit of a uh, controversy there. Oh yeah, yeah he, he pulled a legio and he f- flung the net too. Yeah, huh, interesting. That's one of the most competitive guys in the league, right there. I think what happened was, and we'll get back to the Islander talk in a second. But I think what happened was he wanted an injury timeout and wasn't given one. So when the Penguins came down on a rush, he turned around and just threw the net. 
<laughs> you know what? I partially can't blame him for that. I, I, I don't hate it. For goalies. You know the way it is. Oh, yeah. I don't hate it either. I, yeah. I, I'm going to hate it because Lundqvist did it. <laughs> but I Let definitely fan of talking to you. Exactly. But I definitely appreciate the the uh the intent. Alright. Uh, we're gonna have to I think we're gonna have to address this in the chat. Uh, Matt says rumors are that Cap and Garth get canned if the Islanders don't win a round. Good discipline in not rushing Pulak earlier if he was not ready in an attempt to save their own jobs. First, I can hundred percent believe rumors that Cap would be out if the Islanders don't win around. I can't see Garth being let go just yet, mainly because the the new owners don't take over until July 1st. And I'm sure the new owners would want their GM in. And if you're going to fire your GM on the first day of free agency, then you are terrible at owning a team. Not only that, you need to be ready to make the biggest move if you're going to pull a move like that. But uh, quick side note, I'd like to thank Eric for being very logical and reasonable with his questions. These are very normal and reasonable questions, and I, we all appreciate that. Because I am not used to that. No, not not one bit, and these are great. Yeah, before we address this uh, this rumor more, who uh, is who's the source saying this? Well, not the actual source, but who, which reporter has uh, pointed this out? I, I think it's just been a lot of kind of hubbub around Twitter and whatnot, you kind of just start hearing these things. Um, I, I don't think there is like a real source behind this. And I, I mean, I get it where these are coming from, but for the most part, yeah, I could see the Capuano a little bit just because it's, you know, you've, you've had a lot of time now and you've had somewhat, for the most part, you've had the tools now to really take this team to what we would say is another level and, and which is unfortunately our Stanley Cup of winning a single <laughs> round in the playoffs, but um, yeah, and so yeah, no solid source, but at the end of the day, I get where they're coming from, and yes, I think Capuano could be on the way out if they don't win that round, but at the same time, I could see them also hanging on to him for one more season, and then I've mentioned it before, but I think they do get pretty aggressive in the offseason and start getting these. I think they go for a bigger name player in the offseason since they almost have to this year. Here's yeah. here's my thing with Capuano, and, and I've been singing the same song since last season. It's I think he's been great. I I I see, the people who do nothing but criticize and hate on him, I don't think understand why he was brought in and how good of a job he's done with what he has done. He took he came in as an AHL coach and helped this team develop the AHL talent they had into NHL players. He he is that quintessential bridge coach. Do I think someone else is more equipped to take them to the next level? Sure. Do I think Cap's tenure may be coming to an end? Yes, but not by anything he's done. I think it's just time to make that turn. I think some I think he did his job and served his purpose and did it well. I mean, he's got 200 wins with the Islanders and if you look at the team he had when he took over, the fact that he has 200 wins is impressive. But I think he may have done his job now and in order to take it to the next level, someone else may need to be brought in. But I can't fault Snow and Wang for wanting to stick with him and give him a chance to see through the rebuild that he's been a part of and that he really sparked because they've played so well under him. 
there were numerous times the last, I want to say, two to three years, which I remember everyone was calling for his head. Uh, not just the fans, um, you know, writers were saying it as well. And I'll tell you what, there were points where I remember there was a one period during uh, two years ago, right before, not the year before the playoffs, in between, right after the, the Penguins. And they were on that bad losing streak in November, if you guys, of course, remember it and how they've always struggled in that month. And there was those three days, the three days off. And it's funny, all we kept talking about, uh, a lot of us, was that I don't know how he makes it out of these three days. If, and then one day goes by, it's like, okay, Capuano's still here. Second day goes by, Capi's still here. Third day, and there wasn't any news. It was almost like those three days are probably the three longest of his life. And once I think he passed through that, I think that became the test because they turned the team around last season, obviously. They knew they needed those pieces. But the, I think the issue is, really, I think it's going to come down to, I don't know if he's going to get, you know, get fired right away if they don't lose if they lose in the first round. Because, listen, you play the Rangers in the first round, hypothetically, you lose in a seven-game series, a tough seven-game series. How are you going to, you know, fire a guy like that when sometimes maybe one goal will decide it? In the end, I think it's going to be difficult, but I, I do agree with you, Shane. I don't know if he is the guy to be that one coach, but he definitely was a very big piece of this organization throughout the last five years. And to that point, though, too, I mean, there's it's very difficult to find a great NHL-caliber coach. You know, there are guys like, I mean, who, who would have people wanted? They could have gotten Tortorella, Dan Bilesma, uh I mean, what do they really have? They don't have the best track record. Dan Bilesma got, well, he had one Stanley Cup with, with what was essentially almost like an Olympic roster. I mean, there's just not that many coaches out there that you could have even hired. So it could have been Jack Capuano, who is very familiar with the club. The players like playing for him. Or there could have been a guy who you just kind of hire because he has, maybe he's got a lot of wind, wins under his belt. But that doesn't mean it's good for the players. It's good for the structure of the team. So, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's options of firing them, but that could almost take you back further than take more steps backwards than we would have gone forward. So mm-hmm. there's there's kind of the pros and cons to that whole decision. My my thinking is this offseason has to be focused on bringing in that high end player more so than bringing in a new coach. I think you have to you have to your focus if you're Garth this season and if you're Malkin and Ledecky needs to be. We're going to bring in that big name. We're finally going to make that big splash, whether it be at free agency or through a big trade. I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a Hall trade, or I think you're going to see them throw an absurd amount of money at a guy like Stamkos. Now, maybe not Stamkos because he's going to want astronomical figures, but I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see them focused on that player more so than anything else, which is why I can't commit to saying I think Capuano will be fired because I think the focus is elsewhere right now and that that elsewhere is bringing in that help for Tavares especially if the offense continues to to sputter and falter the way they have been which oh, God. It, it, I mean it took a weird bounce off of a defenseman's face for the Islanders to win this game in overtime tonight yeah, no, Dan, you didn't see it. It was bizarre. It pretty much Nielsen's shot went off Wheeler's face. Puck fell to the to the ice. Opposa buried it. Absolutely a bizarre sequence of events. But 
Uh, yeah, I think that's what, but to, back to your point, Shane, I think that's exactly what it is. I think they're going to more so go after that, I'd say, real game-changer player, at least for game-changer in the sense that it's really going to change the dynamic of the team, and they're, it's going to bring in someone that everyone's been clamoring for in terms of that winger that Tavares needs and to, the winger that T- Tavares deserves, according to a lot of people. So <laughs> I think that's what it is more than anything else because... I just, how much can a coach do? I mean, it gets to a point where is a coach really going to elevate a team? Like, if you had a different coach on this team, how much further are they going to take them with the talent that he's given? I just don't know if it's going to be that much drastic than, say, uh, yeah, a Hall or, you know, if you, a Stamkos if, you know, in a dream world. I just think that's going to have a lot more of an impact than any coach would have. Not to go too off topic here, but I'm just watching this goal now. That is uh, I, that's one of the weirdest endings I think I've ever seen in a hockey game. All I, I was saying was, thank God I'm not doing the play-by-play because I would have been like, do I do I yell happily? Do I what? Do, like, <laughs> what do I, I'm confused. Yeah, that's uh, that's a weird one. At least if it went off like uh, a body part, it's different. But <laughs> rang him right off the face. I've never seen a team as soon as they score the game-winning goal. Wow. As I'm watching replay again, as as soon as they scored a game-winning goal, celebrate, and then Franz comes over and and runs and tries to make sure everyone's okay. Yeah, that is very strange. The, I think the 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 I don't know what the word I'm looking for is because I don't want to say funny, but I think the thing that struck me the most was Oposo went from like his little two-handed fist pump, yeah, to oh crap, let's get a trainer out here waving to the bench like immediately. And the minute I saw that, I was like, oh, something's not right. Hey, let's give the respect to the Islander players for doing that. Yeah, I mean, it was just—it was such a weird. You, what you should—I'll give you if you need it. I'll give you my game center login so you could watch the the, um, like the archived version because this game was bizarro game. Like this game should not have been an NHL game. It was horrendous. With about eight potential serious injuries. Yeah, and two and two potential suspensions. Jeez. Well, here's a big, you know, part of this though. Another win on the road trip. So now yep. you, you get a chance to, you know, get another game under your belt, another two points after you drop them in Edmonton. You come back home very, very soon. Uh, you know, I think they're flying home tonight. They'll probably be off tomorrow. Uh, have a practice on Saturday, most likely, um, and then Sunday will, of course, be the big Ranger game, which a lot of us are, are waiting for. So, you know, that's going to be a fun one this weekend. I think it just it. Overall, when you look at this road trip, you know, is it a positive trip? I think it has to be. Uh, you only dropped one game, and you should have won that game, too. You played a team that really you just you, you didn't show up against in Edmonton. But otherwise, I think that's the most successful road trip that you could pretty much have, minus the one game. To, to be fair, though, did they show up to any of the wins either? <laughs> two points or two points. Oh, no, I, I agree 100%. Uh, when, you, when you look at... When you look at the calendar and you and you look at the the wins and loss column, it was a very successful, what wow, a very successful road trip. But um, when you watch the games, you kind of sit back and say, hey, maybe we need to work on some things before we make this final twenty game stretch for the playoffs. Yeah, and I appreciate, Dan, you bringing a little positivity into this because we couldn't find any for a while. Yeah, it so was a pretty was, negative. That was very uh, nice of you. Well, uh, the way I look at it, just look at the standings itself. I, I mean, I, I've never, I, we said it last week, I've never seen, you know, standings so close. And 
when Pittsburgh picks up another two points tonight, now they're what three points back on the standings right now. Now yep. three points back of the Islanders. Isles have one game in hand. Their Islanders are only three points back of the Rangers after gaining another two points on them tonight. Nobody's catching Washington. But with the wild card spot, Detroit at 75, Pittsburgh 74, Philly's right in the mix. New Jersey, even though they, they made some trades, they're still right in the mix. Somehow Carolina, they won't probably be in the mix in about two weeks. They're there as well. Remember, Ottawa made that big you know, splurge last year. Montreal with 66 points is not out of the question. We've seen much worse. So anytime, in my opinion, you're picking up two points, and you've heard a lot of coaches around the league keep saying this, um, it's funny, at the office, they had the Ranger game on uh, at first, and I was listening in to, to the broadcast, and they were saying when they were talking to Mike Sullivan, the head coach from Pittsburgh, and Sidney Crosby, how they know every game is pretty much a playoff caliber game, even though they're sitting in the playoff spot once you're above that line. But every game's going to matter until you finally see that star that says you clinched and you're going to the postseason. Yep. So I just think it's a whole different ball game right now where no matter how bad you're playing, pick up the two points and keep moving on. Yeah, I mean, even look at uh, the Central. Going into tonight, it was what? I think it was 83-83-83 for Chicago, Dallas, and St. Louis. So it's been across the league, aside from Washington, which is, yeah, they ran away with the President's Trophy. But it's been tight all around, and it's it's insane, yeah, how, in, how close this race is going to be. You know what else you missed tonight, Dan? Just to get back to this tonight's game for a second. I'm just throwing my credibility out the window here. I'm not even watching the games. <laughs> no, we, uh, tonight's the only one you missed. We'll give we'll give you that. Everybody has to work. Well, I missed the other day too. I fell asleep. Oh, you don't have not to tell. You didn't have to West tell Coast people that though. Yeah, these West Coast games are rough. Oh man, they are. But you you missed a little purple rain. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> For those who don't understand that, Purple Rain was a song that Prince sung. And Shane Prince scored his first goal. I'm happy because his name's Shane. So, I mean, I'm a, as long as he's playing well, I'm going to be a happy camper. Now, is this going to be a new nickname for uh, for Prince? I love Purple Rain. I hope it is. I think I'm going to call him Purple Rain. I'm cool with it if everybody else is going to do it. That, that'll be his nickname on this podcast, at least. Oh, I, I gave it to him on Twitter already. I mean, I'm sure other awesome. people did too, but I'm, I have... I'm very firm on Purple Rain. I was going to go Little Red Corvette, but that takes too long to get out of the mouth. <laughs> Purple Rain's easy. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, that, now that's a good question in the chat. Sorry, Reagan. Um, that's what I was going to get to, so we're you, on the same page You here. take it. Take it away. Well, the first one, yeah, was we got out muscled, need a few bigger bodies. This is something that I, would, I wouldn't say it's near and dear to my heart, but it's very close to that status where... I see this one a lot on, on Facebook, and I'd say from more of the older generation where they're so used to that physical play and, and the enforcer type and fighting. And, and it's just something that we're not seeing as much, and I, I think that that's a role that it's really going away. We're not seeing it as much. It's becoming extinct and endangered, I guess you'd call it. But yes, the, like certain teams are more physical, and I think the perfect example of that is the Capitals, where they can skate but they can also hit and they're physical. So I think there's a perfect balance. I don't I don't believe that you just need to be throwing the body around all game because what that essentially is saying is that you're throwing the body around because you don't have the puck. So you're possessing the puck less. That's that's less opportunities to get the puck to the net and score goals. So yeah, I guess you can be physical to a degree and be more physical, but at the end of the day, 
there's to have a, a pretty good balance of that physicality and also talented players. Because at the end of the day, I'd much rather have, you know, 12 goal scorers rather than 12 guys that can hit. Because I mean, we know which one's going to win that battle. So, I mean, that's it's one of those. It's more, I guess, an opinion piece, really. But personally, yeah, more. I just don't think there's that's really having a whole much of an impact anymore in the game. In relation to that, I, I that's where I said I forget if I said it in the chat or on Twitter. I wouldn't have minded like Brooks. Like is a guy that I think brings a lot of depth, especially around playoff time. Someone who who brings that kind of toughness. I, I wouldn't have minded taking a flyer on him. I'm not mad or upset that we didn't. But I wouldn't have minded taking a flyer on a guy like Brooks Like. Yeah, yeah. I'm impartial, I guess. I don't I don't really have a firm stance either way. It was one of those if if they were to pick him up in, in a low type deal, sure. But at the end of the day, whatever. I'm not I don't really have much of an opinion on him either way. But I, I, I see where you're coming from though. I mean the experience, if nothing else, would have been nice. Well, that's the only thing this team really lacks. I mean, experience, uh, and they got a lot of it last year. So, I think when you you go down the road, you know, you're gonna have to keep looking at guys like Letty and Boychuk who have gone through. And they said it a lot last year that they were looking at you know a lot of each other to, to look to those kind of things because a, a lot of these players going into the playoff series last season were, were saying the same thing. Josh Bailey said it. Kyle Oposo said it. He said, yeah, some of my best memories were you know, playing in the playoffs because it's the only one I've ever played in. Now they have two. So him, Franz, you know, those guys have two. So now they can look to these other leaders and understand even more how to get to that next level. And that includes even a player like Orion Strom, uh, for example, or Brock Nelson, even though he was hit-miss in, in the postseason. Anders Lee, who was not very noticeable, but you know, still has some games under his belt. So, again, like would have helped. A lot of those guys kind of would have helped up the middle, but I think still with this team they have that good balance of speed and size. They're still going to throw the body, but they're, uh, you know, still a very fast team. And that's also what you see from the Capitals this year. Matt Niskanen said it after their game the other night that was on NBC against uh, Pittsburgh. He said to uh, Pierre McGuire that he thinks this year's team with the Capitals is faster than last year. So last year we hit more. This year we're faster, but overall we know how to still play that heavy game. So that's I think that style. It's that Western Conference style: play heavy, but use your speed and be able to score. Uh, it's a, it's such a, a hard balance to maintain on an NHL roster because you you want you want that skill, but you also want that physicality, and and you you don't want to sacrifice one or the other, which is why I thought Lee was going to be such a big part of this season, and hopefully he can get back on track because Lee brings both the size and to me at least from what I've seen from him, the talent when he's playing well. Landers is your typical garbage player. I don't mean garbage like that. I mean he's your you know garbage man kind of player. He's going to clean up all the trash right in front of that blue paint. He wants to park himself there. He gets down low, and he plays heavy. It's Mike Babcock, legendary coach, you know, Stanley Cups, Olympic gold. I remember last year we were in Detroit, and he made a point of saying uh, during his pregame press conference, I want my guys to play more like guys like Anders Lee, who just play heavy, get hard to the net. So these coaches want guys to play physical. And by the way, when I did tell Anders that, I think he uh, 
blushed more than I've ever seen him blush before. But his, <laughs> it, I think his face almost looked like it was a Red Wings jersey. But that's beside the point. People want guys like that. And we saw Kuhlman do that in the postseason last year, how physical he is along the half wall, because that's where his strength is. So, I mean, I think it's hard to have that balance. You're right, Shane. It's, it's really difficult to have that balance on any given hockey team. But we're seeing it, I think, less and less of the pure physical player to the more skilled player. But I still think that balance is important when you think of, like, the Kings team that, you know, that won yep. the Stanley Cup and beat the Rangers. They beat them on their size. Uh, I mean, last year the Blackhawks, they have a little bit of size, but they're more finesse skill teams. It's much different. It, you just never really know nowadays in this league. It's a very changing league. And now, yeah, and oh, I God, think... Reagan. I was going to say, I think the perfect player in this situation is who we saw tonight is Bufflin. He can yep. score goals, but he can throw the body around. That's the type of guy I'd love to have on, on a team where you're getting the best of both worlds. So you can still get that scoring touch, and you can still get the physicality of it, but he's, he's not going to do... He's doing both. You know, you're not getting the guy who's just kind of the goon running around hitting guys, but he's not just the guy that's almost afraid to hit guys. He's He's a perfect medium, I think, but I would I would make a Nintendo ice hockey reference, but I think a lot of people would miss that one. <laughs> but that's he's he's that guy that's in between there, and and a lot of teams would kill for a player player like that. Now we get to the real important question, though. Seven zero and one in his last eight starts. Do we continue with Grice in Sunday's game against the Rangers, or do we go back to the quote unquote number one in Halak? Halak. Um, uh, in agreement. Yarrow's been um, unbelievable against the Rangers. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Oh, sorry. He played some of his biggest games uh, against the Blue Shirts. We saw it. I mean, except for that one shootout that they had, that you know, six-five game at the Coliseum, he has been unbelievable against the Rangers. I go back to Yarrow. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, you go to Halak, and and we again we touched on this last time last week, but it's I still think he's in that that phase that you still need to build his confidence and he still needs that real solid win to get him back on his feet. And he has had some solid wins, but to go in and beat a Rangers team, I think that would take him right back to where he was and it would it'd be a great win for him going into the stretch. So I'm, I'm all in on Halak uh, against the Rangers on Sunday. I am all for Halak as well. I think Grice has been fantastic, but Halak is still your number one. Uh, you can't give up on him, especially not with 20 games left in the season. Grice is 7-0-1, but who's to say that can continue down the stretch? He's never had the starting role. I don't know if we want to thrust him into the number one role, again, with just 20 games left. However, I, I have a short leash on Halak Sunday because I'm no longer afraid to go to my backup as an Islander fan. Because Grice has been that good. But Halak has been A, good against the Rangers. B, he's still your number one. C, you're heading into the playoffs. Now, when you look at it, who would you rather be your number one heading into the playoffs, Halak or Grice? Halak in a landslide. He's got the experience, and he's been historically pretty good in the playoffs. So, you got, I mean, Halak, yeah. So, you figure sure. there's 20 games left, there are one two, three sets of back-to-backs. Four. Four sets of back-to-backs. So that's at least four games for Grice. We have Pittsburgh-Toronto, Florida-Pittsburgh, Tampa-Carolina, 
Tampa-Washington as the four sets of back-to-backs. So I'm assuming that's at least four for Grice. Do you, do you anticipate him seeing more action than that, or do you anticipating a, a 16-4, 15-5 split down this last 20 games if Halak plays well in the games he's given? I think they go as close to 50-50 as possible, uh, just for stamina reasons and just just to keep them fresh for the most part too. So it's it's one of those it's 50-50 in terms of playing time, but 50-50 in terms of do you want you want to keep them rested but also keep them fresh at the same time. So it's it's a weird mix of a little bit of both, but I just don't see why they would want to sit one over the other, especially since we've seen how one can get hot, the other can get hot, both can get hot. So yeah, I'm going. Split that that pretty much just go ten and ten down the stretch. Not many teams have two goalies that they can feel confident with with and go you know fifty fifty for the last whatever amount of games it is what is it twenty something games for the rest of the year. Not many teams can do that and still solidify themselves in the postseason and push to try and you know keep going up in the standings to maybe get to that second spot in the division. So I think they're definitely going to use that to their advantage and go 50-50 throughout the rest of this, uh, at least I think the rest of, of the month. Uh, I don't know what they'll do for maybe the last couple of weeks, but you also want to keep your number one in the RL fresh. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to run him into the ground. So I, maybe a 10-10 split, maybe 11-9, uh, 12-8, but I, I certainly see it being close to that. Now, let's wrap up here, guys, because we're, we're at about an hour. I try to keep it around there. we got a couple minutes to go before that. I just wanted to touch on the World Cup of Hockey. Um, a, I would like to say I don't love the idea of a World Cup of Hockey. I just want to put that out there. Um, it, I'm sure it's going to be cool to watch. Um, I'm sure it's going to be interesting, exciting, fun. Uh, I like the Olympics, so I'm sure it'll be good. I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with having this every four years because now you're essentially playing every two years because you have the World Cup and then the Olympics and then the World Cup and then the Olympics and then the World Cup. I don't know that I love it. Um, it is pretty cool that the Islanders have a couple of guys on the roster, on, on some of the rosters, and then a couple of guys who I think can still be considered uh, just to go over who they have. Uh, Tavares obviously will be on Team Canada. Uh, I think if he would have been left off, there would have been cause for uproar and murder. Right. <laughs> um... Franz will play on Team Europe. Yaroslav Halak will be on a Team Europe as well. And then Nikolai Kuleman will be on Team Russia. I will admit that one surprised me the most out of the four people who were named. Um, I figured Franz would have a shot at Team Europe because he does play a really good two-way game. He, he's your prototypical number three center. So I figured Franz would have a shot. Yaro has been a fantastic goalie over the past couple of years. So I, I kind of had an idea he'd be there too. Uh, Kuhleman surprised me on Team Russia, but I'm happy for him that he gets a chance to represent his country. Uh, and Tavares, I think, was a given that Tavares would be on Team Canada. Uh, nobody on Team USA, although I do think we have a shot at, at at least one of three guys getting on when they do extend the rosters and finalize them. Uh, one being Letty, one being Nelson, and one being Oposo. Uh, what do you guys think? Overall, uh... I'm not crazy about the idea. I think it was the same thing when they did... I don't know if they even still do it, the World Baseball Classic, which it, it just seems so gimmicky for me. I'm, yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, hockey summers, as we all know, just get... The summers couldn't feel any longer for hockey to get back, so that's great at, from one point, but at the same time, I don't know. It just 
and I'll probably tune in because I'm just a sucker for that. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. And but to your point, I think Letty does make the roster when they extend. But overall, I don't. Know. I'm not the biggest fan, but I will probably watch just because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> well, I'm obviously gonna watch this. I actually want to go just because. Toronto is one of my favorite cities, and I, I got to get back there at some point. That I place is awesome. I literally just had this conversation today about, hey, let's take a vacation the first week of <laughs> and go. I'll tell you what, I was up in Toronto last year during the World Junior Championships. My cousin happened to have his bachelor party up there uh, around the same exact time, so we got a chance to catch you know one of the World Junior games, and I think it was Russia and Switzerland. But just watching that kind of atmosphere, even for the Team Canada games on TV when they were playing over in Montreal. And obviously Toronto, Montreal with the two hosts. It, there's something special in that city during this time. But to talk about the, the World Cup of hockey itself, I do wonder, and you know, there is a lot of discussion, if, if this is going to be a reason to try and get the players maybe to side with them that here we'll give you our world tournament, maybe not do the Olympics. Because remember, it does disrupt two weeks in the regular season compared to disrupting the beginning of the season. Right. You get hurt during this you're going to miss the first couple of months. Big, but it's better than losing, a, for example, a John Tavares when you're in February and you're trying to make a playoff push. And now he's done for pretty much the rest of the year or into the playoffs. So I, I don't mind the idea. I do agree, though. It's a little maybe like the World Baseball Classic, a little gimmicky. Two teams to watch out for the most, in my opinion. Under 23 for uh, the Team North America and Team Europe because the guys on Team Europe such as the Slovenias, uh, the Slovakias, the fact that they were not selected as their own team, and we've seen the pride they've played in, such as uh, Slovenia a couple of years ago. Watch out for them because they're going to be playing, I think, for the most pride, uh, I think, of all these teams that you're competing with. And then, of course, the young guns are just going to try and show the world that they're the next generation. And I do think if if this first iteration of the World Cup, the new World Cup, because I know they've done it in the past, but I think if it does well you'll see those countries have their own team. I think you'll see an expansion of the tournament. Uh, for my own sake and, and from a fan's point of view, I almost hope they don't use this as a way out of the Olympics because for those two weeks, I know I could watch the Olympics because I don't have to worry about, well, does it interfere with an Islander game? Because A, I love curling. <laughs> curling is the greatest Olympic sport ever. Winter, summer Olympics, doesn't matter. Curling is fantastic. B, I watch the hockey. C, I love the luge. So I know for those two weeks, there's no NHL, so I could just chill and watch the Olympics. So I hope for my own sake and from a fan's point of view, they don't take the pros out because I do like that it disrupts the season because then I don't have to worry about missing Islander games to watch a bunch of people yelling at other people to sweep the ice. I agree. Big time Winter Olympics guy. Isn't it great? It's the best. Summer Olympics stinks. Winter Olympics, the best. There's two sports in the Summer Olympics I like. I like the water polo. And I like handball. And so other than that, I'm out. Sport. Very debatable. <laughs> and on one side note, that triangle Team North America jersey, worst thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, pretty ugly. People love it, but that the jersey, I don't even like that. But the logo is, it looks like Zoltan from uh, Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> Dude, sweet. Dude. Yeah, and it's not. It's not sweet. So yeah. let's let's call a spade a spade here. By the way, did anyone see the Eichel goal from uh from tonight? 
If you no, had... not tonight. I saw it from the Mick Eichel Cup, but not tonight. If uh, go look at my my Twitter feed when when we're done here, which I think we're about to wrap up. But he he's you're you're about to hear it in the background again. I apologize. But he skirts the blue line at the blue line and lets like a snapshot go and just goes top corner. Just I'm Team Michael for the just for the record. We're gonna go almost back to like the Twilight days. I'm Team Michael for sure. Are you really? Yeah, I like Eichel a lot. I don't know why. I, I like both of them, but if I had to pick a side, I'm Team Eichel. I'm Team Larkin, just because clearly the league is Team Larkin by cheating and giving him a head start on the fastest skater. Well, I really just meant Eichel and McDavid. <laughs> oh, but... I'm Team Eichel too, because you know you got to represent the red, white, and blue. That too, but I just I I think he's a little more fun to watch. I mean, McDavid's great too. I mean, he's he's super talented, but. I just like Eichel a little bit more. I think, yeah, he's he's. I think he's actually the better player as of now, at least. I think he's a better player for this era. I think he just his game just fits better. His vision on the ice. Uh, he's got that size on the wing, which McDavid lacks. But McDavid's a special player. Oh, he's gonna be one of those highlight reel guys you'll watch for years to come. But uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Eichel myself. I don't know if I like one more than the other. I get a chance, I guess, maybe to see some more highlights of McDavid because they keep putting them up every chance you get. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it's uh, young. There's a lot of good young hockey players in the league nowadays, and this is a very, you know, interesting time. Real growing league when you got guys like, you know, Taze and Kane who are now starting to get become veterans, and uh, and Donje Kopitar and Henrik Lundqvist. You know, they're all starting to get older, and now these young kids are coming in who are younger than me, and that makes me feel a little old, and I'm not that old. All right, guys. It's late. I'm tired. Reagan, you have another hour on us, so I hate you. I do. Yeah, sorry. That's Central time's the best time. Just keep that in mind. I think for the rest of my life, I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to fly west just so I'm constantly going backwards in time and maybe I won't age. It might work. It's like interstellar. Right? I mean, it has a shot. I, I highly doubt it, but it does have an, it does have a shot at working. It can't hurt to try. Thank God there's a hockey podcast and not a, a science one, because I'd be shot. <laughs> I've, I'm lucky I know 2 plus 2 is 5. No? All right, whatever. I thought that was good. <laughs> we'll stick to hockey. Yeah, you're broadcasters. Stay away from the math. <laughs> we'll, we'll st- yeah, com major all day. I took about one and a half math classes in college. I took zero. Oh, they, I had to before they would let me graduate. And I was like, you know what? I don't like you guys anymore. All right, so, Reagan, you have anything to, to to push and promote before we get out of here? No, the only thing closest to pushing is uh, snapshots daily. Sending them out every day now. So if you guys uh, enjoy those, then uh, I guess don't say anything. If not, let me know, and I'll uh, I can try to customize them as we go. Dan, how about you? No, we got some exciting stuff this month, of course, with the team back home. That means we'll actually uh, have a chance to get ourselves to practice. So, Scott will be at practice. I'll try and make some practices. Mark Wiener will be over there pulling double duty between uh, New York Islanders Radio uh, as well as, obviously, Islanders Insight. So, we'll, we'll be able to get some maybe more features and some more uh, Q&As, get to know some of these players a little bit better when we get a chance to get there. So, it's good to have the Islanders at least back in this month. And uh, I'm Shane Blackburn. He's Dan Savarino. He's Reagan King. 
uh, at Reagan King Isles, at Dan Saverino, at Dump and Chase 80 for myself. Check us out, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, all that fun stuff. Check out islandersinsight.com and come back next week. Till next week. Yeah, let's go Islanders, I guess. <laughs>